You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 51 of the Black Eagles podcast. We've eclipsed 50, and we're back. Uh, transfer season episode two over here, and we're coming with some information that we promised. But first, I have to introduce my co-host, everyone's favorite, Kanbayazid, everyone. How you doing, sir? Well, I don't know about being everyone's favorite, but uh, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I can um, only assume. I, I, you know, I don't always <laughs> rub everyone the right way. <laughs> you are too modest, sir. Uh, let's dig right into it. Uh, let's do it. I believe you have a little list that you're going to run down, aren't Indeed, you? Indeed, yeah. And so, uh, as we promised, and I sort of alluded to that promise, we are coming at you with lots of Nicolas Isima Murin information. I don't know if I pronounced it all three of those names correctly. Uh, we should get our French expert on the show, Aurelien. Yeah, if you want French it up, uh, then Nicolas was definitely correct. Uh, that was, that felt know. good. <laughs> that felt good. Um, but, but first, I don't want to get sidetracked entirely by the new transfer, because there is some other stuff to talk about, and I'm sure some stuff that our, our listeners will, our loyal listeners, I don't know where I was going, uh, will definitely be interested in first of all maybe i'll hand this over to you con why don't you give us the first n- bit of news we'll we'll trade news items what's the wh- what do you let, let's go over bobble first con you want to give us some info on that uh yeah ryan bobble has been sold off loaned off uh, to Fulham in the Premier League. Um, Babel had only six months left on his contract and uh, Bishtesh were quite keen, I think, to accept this. Uh, uh, Fulham came in with a, with a one and a half million offer uh, a few days ago. Uh, Bishtesh uh, stood their ground and said, no, we, we want two and, and Fulham obliged. Um, and, and Fulham are taking him on a six-month loan, which is curious, of course, because he only has six months left yeah. on his contract. Um, but that's of course that has to do with Fulham being in the relegation zone in the Premier League and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe also some financial fair play tie-ins. I don't know. For Besiktas, it doesn't really matter uh, whether we sell him or loan him as long as we get that money, yeah. which we are getting. Um, he still has to do a, a medical and all that, so I think that's going to be tomorrow morning. So by the time you listen to this, um, but uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, Babel has been sold slash loaned off to Fulham for two million euros. Yeah, I mean social media, social media. Whoa, social media backs that up. In fact. Uh, uh, his son posted stuff on Instagram showing the two of them leaving the grounds. Uh, I didn't even know he had a son, I'll be honest, but he seemed very forlorn, actually. Uh, and he even promised that he was going to replace his father with the squad. So I don't know what that means. But uh, for anyone thinking that Babel, you know, hated the club or that, you know, his family might 
in kind. That's not the case. Uh, and I'll say that despite his bad reputation, I think we've come out generally as somewhat supportive of Ryan Babel. But even still, with that said, one can't really be too upset about his departure because the wings are a position we have a little bit of depth in. And, and beyond that, any money is good money at this stage for us where we are as a club financially. So would you echo that, Khan? Like, Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of look at it in two ways. You're, you're saving half a season of wages on Babel, which is a roughly 1.1 million euros. On top of that, you're getting 2 million euros. So uh, you could see it as 3.1 million or so um, that the club is, 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 well, 2 million that they're, uh, getting in at one and a one point one that they're saving salary, on. So, yeah. given the fact that the club is trying to cut back on wages, cut cut the wage bill, um, and and maybe get some pocket change here for potentially another move this this window. Um, I don't know if there's gonna be a replacement. There's been a little bit of rumors on that, which we'll touch on yeah. briefly in a little bit. Uh, but well, we do I, have I, Quaresma I, and Lens and John Air yeah. and. Uh, I suppose the Orkan Chinar as well. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I will say that I think... Yeah, depending on whether he comes back. Right, yeah, I still don't know. Clear. Yeah, but I will say that I think going forward, looking back, mm -hmm. we will probably look fondly on the, the contribution that Ryan Babel made, all in all. I think pe when people forget about yeah. the social media stuff and all of that, and they just start to look back on mm -hmm. his performances through highlights, you know, maybe maybe that'll take about five years or so. I think oh, people yeah. will we'll generally feel good. Glass mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, the I mean, jank, right? I, the I, jank Tosun, and he, the, the, they're jumping up oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of celebration. You know, he... He left a mark, I'd say. Yeah, I think people look back fond more fondly on Jenk as well because mm -hmm. I think you, you're always going to have that when you look back at players. I mean, if you look at him statistically, I did. Uh, I quickly took a look at it the other day, and he, he played 91 games for us, and he scored 32 goals. Okay. Uh, didn't look. Didn't quickly look at the assists, but I mean, 32 goals in 91 games is not. not that's very good for a winger, I'd say. Yeah. And 10 of those goals came in Europe. So big, uh, big time. Yeah, I mean, definitely had a had a big short-term impact. Um, the last uh, six months, he's definitely fizzled out. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of the thing with Babel, perhaps, that he might have not shown uh, the best mentality. But, I mean, we've talked about this before. There might have been payment issues and all that kind of stuff, and I, I think it's going to affect a guy like Babel relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, good to see that we still get some money out of him. Obviously, we would have preferred to gotten that $7 million that uh, Flamengo yeah. had offered and we had accepted at the start of the season. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, I, I always asterisk those things with a supposedly, because who knows, but... Um, yeah, absolutely. Some, some money is better than no money. And uh, good luck, Ryan. I hope all goes well. I'm actually kind of happy that I got his shirt this year because, you know, there clearly would not have been another opportunity to do it. And like I said, I think history may look kindly on him. But let's move on. Uh, quickly, Khan, did you want to finish up that? I kind of cut you off. You were going to say something about Orkan Chinar. Uh, just that, that that we're not sure yet whether he's coming back now or not. Um, I think there's been some mixed signals on that. Uh, Shafak Mahmoud Yazidjolo basically said in an interview that, well, we also have Orkan, mm -hmm. but as 
it currently stands, he's still out on loan at Adana Demirspor, so uh, we'll have to wait and see whether he gets called back or not, but I think if they are going to call him back, they should do it yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah, get him as much of that training camp experience as possible, although that's winding up. That's over. Huh? Yeah, that's wound up today. Okay, uh, so anyway, moving on. Of course, I get stuck with the news, news item with the dude with an extra Turkish name that I'll probably butcher Uhayet. naturally. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, the the good news, I, I think it's actually very good news because I love these low-risk, high-reward moves. But Besiktas is rumored. Is it official? I haven't seen anything like Not on the website. Yet. Yeah, but, but Muhayer Oktay, a 19-year-old uh, German Turk. Is he yeah, from he, Germany? I know he, he's coming from Germany. He's coming from Fortuna yeah. Dusseldorf. Uh, he's yeah. getting bought for 210k. Uh, that's euros. Uh, and he's going to be earning 8k a month in wages. Now, yeah. I love these moves. Which is like what? That's like uh, that's like 96,000 euros a year. So yeah, that's, that's really uh, low. Yeah, nothing. And I, I love these moves. I, I think I've talked about this quite a bit already on previous episodes but we're probably going to do it a little bit again but even before i say that i'd like to mention he has some experience with the turkish under 19 squad i don't know how they distribute numbers but he's been given the number 10 <laughs> uh which i i i always thought of at least on my high school team and stuff right like the seniority earns you the right to pick your number and i think the 10 number is a sort of an honor to be have that bestowed upon. So maybe that's a good sign for, you know, for his yeah. status on, on that squad. Uh, he had a lot of goals as well at the under 19 level. I think it's, he scored five goals in nine games for Turkey mm -hmm. uh, under 19. Uh, I don't think he's gotten a goal yet for the under 21s, but he's only played like five games there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and of course he's been playing in the re regional leagues in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't, we can't really put too much weight on those because, I mean, there was a time not too long ago, I think, where Tolgay Aslan was scoring 20 or so goals in that <laughs> league. But that might have been the, the, the youth league, actually, in Germany. And I think that uh, that uh, Muhayer has actually been playing in the regional divisions, which is Slightly, senior yeah, level. Above. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, there's not a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a great image of him with uh, Guven Yalcin with one of those under... under yeah one of those youth squads national squads and uh yeah. so you know he has some experience with some of the guys coming up that maybe like next gen core you know i think we've spoken about how the main core of guys are going to be in the age range of like karius and liayic and ozan theoretically if he gets it together um but that next gen, right? The the guys who should be yeah. starting in five to ten the years. Teens, early, really early twenties. Yeah, guys like Guven Yalcin, Dorukan, uh, who who might even be part of the other core as well, to be honest. But uh, and then Emrahad actually uh, watched him a couple of games, and and he said that um, I don't know if you you saw it, but uh, he did say that. Uh, uh, he's he's kind of like that Guven Yalcin level, maybe slightly higher. Mm -hmm. So that we could, that it's that it's you know, of course it's no nowhere near a guarantee that it'll be anywhere you know near successful. But uh, there's a there's a good chance that he'll do okay or well or whatever. Um, obviously, like you said earlier, these are like those typical low risk, high reward type of moves. Don't expect much from them, but don't rule out that they 
do well either. Yeah. You know, I mean, Guven, I think, has positively surprised us. I mean, in the beginning of the season, I think uh, me in particular, I was saying something like, uh, yeah, it's probably going to end up to be another Ozan Eidolon. Uh-huh. And that's the kind of the, the mindset I have for all of these types of signings until they prove me prove otherwise but of course i'm very hopeful that that mohair uh, turns out to be uh, an, an, another guven or, or even better but uh, we'll have to wait and see but emra is someone you know emra has been on the podcast before emra dinger mm-hmm. uh he's someone that really play, pays close attention to these uh, under 21 under 19 turkish national teams he pay, pays a lot of close attention to young turks mm-hmm. abroad um, so he's he's keeping close tabs on those types of type of guys. So when he says uh, that, you know, when he, I, I put some weight yeah, on what he no, says. And so I'll, I'll, I'll add on a personal note that he's generally skeptical enough as a human being <laughs> that, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm actually kind of more interested by that because he's more, I would, I would think he's more inclined to sort of come up with a, something of a cynical take. So I don't know, that, that gives me pause, I'll be honest. That's, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah, Muhayer. And un- unlike the Olsan Idoan move, this this is like, I mean, football term terminology wise or, or football standard wise, this is these are peanuts what we're talking about in terms of financials. Uh, Olsan Idoan was a lot more expensive. I think he has a relatively big contract. I mean, even Guven Yalcin is earning four hundred thousand a mm-hmm. year. This kid will barely be making ten a uh, hundred thousand. Uh, sorry, so you can, I mean, you can get four of the four of him under contract for for one given even. Exactly. So uh, I think it's a really great deal if it if it ends up going through, and uh, hopefully um, someone that will be able to enjoy uh, come 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 the future. Yeah, absolutely. I I think yeah, no, nothing more to say about that except he feels a need as well. He's a central midfielder, so with Togai on his way out, Ozan maybe not in his best form. This kid may even get a crack at a you know at a couple matches this season. We'll see. Never know. Uh, but let's move on yeah. for the sake of brevity. Uh, before we get into some of the negative stuff <laughs> that's emerged, yeah. let's talk about some of the more exciting things on the frontier. Uh, some rumors, transfer rumors coming in. Uh, first of all, I think the the stuff that really popped up, especially after the Babel news came in was a number of options on the on the left side of the midfield. And the one that stands out most to me is the, uh, I think, Ukrainian, Konoplyanka. And his first name is Evgeny or something? I, I, I don't want to... Yeah, I've been given too many uh, international names for this episode. So <laughs> I think our, our, our fan bases are going to be quite familiar oh, with yeah. him because, of course, we were very interested in him um, the, the, the summer that he ended up joining Sevilla. Um, we were very interested in him back then. It was a, a long shot because, I mean, of course, he was coming off that, that Europa League final with Dnipro, Dnipropetrovsk. And uh, I think they lost that against Sevilla even. And then he ended up joining Sevilla, but Bistic were rumored, heavily rumored with him back then. Um, and then after that, you know, Sevilla wasn't a huge success, went to Schalke, Norfea. Um, but uh, he's still only 29, yeah. which is... Okay, you know that's that's like that's a, I think that's just a perfect age to sign a player. Uh, so I I definitely be very excited if we get him, but I doubt it'll happen. I don't think we'll get a replacement for Bobble, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean I think our priority has to be uh, at the right back. You know we definitely clearly mm. need depth. Uh, even if Gokan Gunul is the man going forward, he's not going to be able to play every match. That's been made fairly clear. 
so yeah, I think that needs to be a priority. And then, you know, I guess Muhayer might be our answer at central midfield. That was kind of going to be a, a glory, luxury pickup as we saw it anyway. But uh, yeah, this this sort of left midfield is a new uh, issue to maybe have to deal with. But I don't think it would be prioritized anyway, unless they already have a right back lined up. But. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's the rumor that's that there is a right back lined up, but the problem is that we need to offload some more mm. foreigners right now. Which Babel uh, is one. <laughs> Babel has been offloaded. Uh, there's there's a rumor of Adriano Santos being interested yeah, in Adriano, yeah. who only has six months left on his contract. And uh, according to Globo Esporte, they want a similar uh, arrangement to what we have with Babel. Unfortunately, I didn't read anything about 2 million euros there, but they want to do something similar with with a six-month loan or something like that. Um, I don't know exactly why they'd be interested in loaning him, um, but I I really hope we don't do that. Uh, I think that Adriano needs to stay for these six months, unless, unless, of course... You know, Santos is willing to to pay us. Like, if they were willing to pay us like one or one million or something, okay, fine. But if they're not really gonna be offering a semi decent transfer fee, uh, then I I I wouldn't do it because um, Adriano isn't just our de facto left back. He's also um, an option at right back. And and to me, I don't think that I'm not as I'm not like most people thinking that right back is a, is very urgent right now. I think it's fine as long as we don't like sell guys like Adriano who can also play in that position. I think that if you if this, the squad stays as it is, uh, apart from maybe like tall guy or something leaving, I think that then you you should probably look towards a left midfielder quicker than you should look at a right back. Mm. I think you can get a right back in in the summer. Um, you know we've been. T- rumored with Douglas, who's playing for Sivaspor on loan from Barcelona. Now he's got a six-month contract remaining on his deal with Siva, uh, with with Barcelona. And rather than um, pissing off Sivas and and getting him now, maybe we should just sign him on a Bosman and, and get him in in the summer, and then you can uh, move on some other older players. Right. Um, which also brings me to something that I forgot to put in the, the notes, by the way. Uh, Fatih Akso is loaned to Sivaspor oh, yeah, for one and a half cool. seasons. Speaking uh, of Sivas, maybe that's yeah. the move. That's cause, uh, the, 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 the fee wasn't so bad in that regard. But So maybe that's the move that smooths over the fact that we're switching. Yeah, well, in, in fact, there's no fee. Um, there's a, there's a, a clause. Yeah. If uh, Fatih doesn't play at least 15 games in the next 18 months for Sivaspor, then they have to pay us a fee, uh, but it's a very small fee of uh, 170,000 or something like that. Uh, I, I guess Sivas are covering his wages, but his wages are only 250,000, so that's not a big thing either. Uh, and I, I hope he'll he'll play there uh, because what we've seen often when we loan players to Anatolian teams is they just use him, them for the bench yeah, to have enough depth. Turkish players in their squad. Um, but uh, hopefully he'll play. He is from Sivas, uh, which uh, their um, chairman also talked up a lot when he was okay. talking to the media about the transfer. So hopefully it's it's a, it's kind of a, a goodwill sign from, from Bishtesh and, and maybe they'll let us have Douglas. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's something else that's been floated out there by some uh, reporters. Um, I like this and, guy's name is Douglas, by the way. It doesn't sound so foreign exactly. But, um, Douglas. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> Just as it's written. But, um, but yeah, that's... 
again, you know, Fatiak Soy had come into use a little bit when we were really depleted in the back, but with uh, Isima coming in and, uh, of course, Vida yeah. very clearly holding the back line, I don't, you know, and plus, you know, I don't know, Enzo Rocco is still around. Nejip is, is a back favorite. From his, from his injury. Alpai is coming back, yeah. He partook in the, in, in the training camp, so he's back. So oh, that's, and he's that's rated, great news. He's rated higher than than than, than uh, Fatih by most people that I've spoken oh, to. Yeah. So me know. too. No, I I I have spoken uh, about how impressed I was. I saw a little bit of, but anyway, keep things moving. Um, on to the bad news, and you, we talked about the uh, Brazilian media and them coming in for Santo or Santos coming in for Adriano. But on the flip side of that, there's some bad news coming in from Brazil. Wagner Love. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you say, Khan? So Wagner Love has come out and said some stuff in the media. And our yeah, club yeah. has come back and uh, they've fined him for it and they've criticized him for it. Uh, what are the details, Khan? Uh, I think last week or so, his manager spoke to the media in Brazil saying that, or two weeks ago already, that, that basically um, there's an agreement with a club, but that uh, Wagner won't be moving until Bestes pay him uh, his owed wages and that he had not been paid for the last five months. Uh, and then I think yesterday or the day before, uh, Wagner kind of repeat, repeated that and said, look, I haven't been paid for the last six months uh, by Besiktas. I don't think that's uh, correct and this and that and that. And then Besiktas came out with an official statement saying that they'd find the player for unprofessional conduct and you know, saying stuff in the media, which they did not give him permission for to speak to the media or something yeah. like that. And it just kind of, it all kind of feels, it reminds me a little bit of, of how they, um, you know, how the, the Fikret Orman administration back in 2012, uh, 2013, 2012, kind of forced Quaresma out of the club by kind of, I don't know, it just feels a little backhanded. And I mean, I, it, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter how a player performs. If you sign a contract, you have to live up to that contract and you can't. You can't just expect to that 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 players are gonna leave money on the table just because you are kind of bullying them. We, I think, what what the club's doing is bullying him. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm not I'm not defending Wagner Love. That I mean, defending. Uh, there's nothing really to defend here. I think there's no any moral person who can like look at this a little bit through non-rose-colored glasses has to acknowledge the fact that this just isn't the correct mm, behavior for a professional football club uh and i think it's something we've been doing a lot kind of like trying to force players to look we'll let you out of your contract but you have to leave x amount on the table that we still owe you it seems to be a recurring uh yeah, just a recurring way of doing business, and I think that's uh, gonna burn bridges with with with, with agents. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this is something they wouldn't do with a player who has a very powerful agent. Uh, but you know, Wagner Love's agent is relatively obscure. I, I guess that uh, it's easier to to do that then. But um, not planning on doing more business with him. Hopefully, he doesn't uh, take over the scene in Brazil or something. Um, I mean, plus, I mean, in the Brazilian media, they mentioned that um, Corinthians were willing to pay a transfer fee so 
uh, okay, it's going to be a zero operation, but take that money and pay pay Love's contract off and, and just get rid of him. I mean, there's no point in... I mean, what are you going to do? If he doesn't leave now, you have to pay him for the remaining six months on his contract or you're out another 900,000 euros or something like that. There, right now, it just seems to kind of be one of those situations where you know two cars are driving straight at each other and one one car is just waiting for the other car to blink and, and deviate from its course, you know, just playing chicken. That's kind of what it feels like. But this is a very dangerous game that bishops are playing over yeah. rel- over over nothing, you know, over a couple of hundred thousand euros. The, the, the possibility is for, for him to go to FIFA and we get a transfer ban or whatever. Uh, I mean, bishops are repeat offenders in this regard. Uh, UEFA aren't going to take too kindly to this. FIFA aren't going to take too kindly to this. And Love has already kind of threatened going to FIFA and, and, and Orman basically came out with a statement on well FIFA's head, head uh, seat is in, in Switzerland uh, there's airplanes he can take him he can go and he can complain um, oh, but that's boy. just such a absolutely abysmal <sighs> uh, way to go about this I don't know what uh, what he's thinking with that I mean maybe there's something underlying maybe they've had bad relations maybe you know I doesn't matter. One can't speculate. Yeah, of course. No, but at the end of the day, objectively speaking, without knowing any of that sort of behind-the-scenes information that may or may not be going on, it doesn't look good. And sure, he did say that, like, Besiktas are being the bad actors or something. He he said something explicit in his interview that was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, kind of... He's not holding back. On the other hand, maybe he shouldn't. Don't give him any ammunition. Exactly. Like, why should he hold back? He's owed money. You know, he's got a contract, which is ultimately the, you know, not going to help. They but, didn't yeah. hold a gun to, to, to our, our board's heads when they were negotiating for that contract. I mean, they decided to give him that. I mean, which is didn't ridiculous, give him that, honestly. Should, I was critical yeah. of it from the beginning. But anyway, moving on, because that's, that's, a, that's a sour note on what I think is going to be a really nice episode. <laughs> uh, and so... The, the news portion of that is by is that's that's the bulk of what we've got. At least those are the serious rumors, and I don't think we should go into any of the lesser ones much. Um, but so yeah, we kind of just glossed over it quickly. We don't want to waste too much time on on the news section. We'll do. Uh, we're we're scheduling a recording right now uh, with with John O'Carr. Yeah. Uh, we'll be do, which we'll be doing somewhere this week, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, and and he'll, he'll be addressing the whole uh, this whole situation with the Turkish Football Federation lining up a deal with with the with uh, with the bank institutions in, in Turkey to basically um, uh, structureize all of the Turkish clubs as debt and, and put them on the long term so that they get more breathing space and all that. But but John will be going into that. He'll be. Uh, reading into the material yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff and, and, and give, give us uh, good information but that's something to look forward to and we'll definitely still come out I think the 18th is the, our first game is on Friday against um, Akisar I think um, so hopefully we'll 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 get a little bit more uh, stuff out I mean if anything big happens we'll definitely uh, do another episode on sure. a new transfer or whatever but uh, today is uh, about Isimat Marin. Mirin. Yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah, I was cutting to that. I was segueing there, yeah. So as promised, and I've already done this, I have said this already, but yes, we're going deep into Nicolas Isima Mirin. And uh, we've got a lot of folks here, so I think we should cut to the chase. Khan, why don't you introduce them since you've interviewed them 
kindly and you obviously have the uh, information on them so Khan uh, tell us about these uh, great guests you've amassed for us well usually when we do these kind of episodes we just sit down with one person uh, and we, we talk about uh, uh, the new player that we signed and uh, let them evaluate the player um, but today we've got a little bit of a, a special episode for you. We've got a, I've got a long-form interview with my dear friend Max Zerwedewa, um, who I've known since uh, I was six years old, when he was five years old. We've known each other for a very long time. Uh, Max does not have a background in journalism or anything like that, but I can tell you from first-hand experience, he's one of the most knowledgeable people uh, you'll, you'll, you'll meet uh, regarding football. Um, he's a PSV fan, so we're going to get the... We're gonna get the looks on Isimat from that perspective, mm-hmm. from a PSV fans perspective. Second up, we have Jordi Yamali, who was so kind to send us in his thoughts on Isimat. And uh, Jordi, of course, is a Galatasaray supporter. Um, he's also an Ajax fan, and of course, he's one of the the hosts uh, of the the Neutrale Kijkers podcast. Uh, he's done a lot for FC Afkikke. Um, he watches a lot of Dutch football. He watches a lot of Turkish football. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a connoisseur as well. Um, and and he's giving his view on the player. And then finally, uh, last but not least, we have uh, Jeroen Elshoff, who is uh, arguably uh, the best commentator in Dutch football. Definitely one of the more fa- the most famous ones. Um, he, for example, he uh, commentated for the Dutch uh, national television, the NOS, uh, on the. Uh, on the World Cup, this past World Cup, he did the World Cup final. It's not a small feat, I'd say, uh-huh. and uh, he has, of course, seen plenty of Isimat and plenty of PSV, and he gives his views on the player as well. Um, I do have to say that all three views are, are different. Yeah. I'd say that 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 uh, um, Jeroen definitely took a, and 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 he definitely are a little bit more critical and and highlighting more of the weaknesses. Uh, Max is going to talk a little bit more about the positives, uh, but also highlight will also highlight some of the weaknesses. Um, but it's a, I think it's a great interview with Max, and I, I think that both Jeroen and uh, and Jordi's uh, audio fragments are going to be very informative, and hopefully it's going to give you a better idea of what type of player uh, we signed Absolutely. from PSV. Absolutely, and I think you have to, like, in receiving any kind of information, you have to be weary or conscious of who it's coming from. And of course, any fan who sees a player go is gonna, you know, f- hopefully for the sake of journalism gonna be truthful but also you know you're trying to legitimize things a little bit and i I, especially in the case of yordi i I think his conclusion i really took satisfaction from now especially knowing that he was he's a galatasaray fan because i don't want to spoil it but so i'll just uh put that out there in the ether but yeah with that with that said without further ado let's cut right to it so yeah Dear Carta fans, my name is Jordi Amalia. I watch uh, the Dutch league uh, and the Turkish league. And Khan asked me about uh, the transfer of uh, Nicolas Isimat Meren from uh, PSV Eindhoven to Besiktas. To be really honest, I was never a really big fan of his. Uh, I think he lacks some technique, some passing insights. But it's a, it's a really strong dude and he has uh, been... He had... Uh, um, he won three three championships with with PSV, and I think two of them he played almost nearly almost every game. So 
it's not nothing, but when the expectations are high, I don't think he will make it because if I have to judge, I think it's more a, a, a new Danny Nanko than than it's a rather it's a it's a new Marcelo. Uh, he he's a really great guy, and I think the most people in the Netherlands will really uh, remember him from his off-fields funniness, his interviews, his singing, and everything. But on-field, he never made a heroic save or or. or most of the time, I think when you have a really good defender next to him, he will do whatever you ask him to do. But don't expect anything like Pepe or like Marcelo. I wish him all the best in the Turkish League and uh, hope he can uh, achieve some uh, greatness, but not too much. So we've seen Izimat play for four seasons in Eindhoven. He didn't make a big impression in the first couple of years. Uh, he was a regular on the bench. He wasn't a regular in the starting lineup. Um, the thing I remember from his first season was that he uh, was a good backup, but he needed, and that is the whole story of his um, career at Eindhoven, he needed someone next to him who could coach him. Uh, who could think more about uh, tactical play, uh, coach him, coach the rest of the defense, because uh, Izimat has to take care of his own game, um, concentration uh, to be at his best. And what his best is, we've seen that in one season, in Eindhoven for one season, he was a real uh, guy that started in the starting lineup. And um, that was a season that Eindhoven became champions. He, he, he became a couple of time champions with Eindhoven, but that season he played the whole season in a good defense and always with a player next to him that was uh, coaching him, that was saying where to go, and uh, that was actually telling him to uh, give the ball to other players as soon as possible because I think that's his uh, weakest point, is uh, being uh, not a good player on the ball. If you look at him defensively, I think he's good when he comes into the air and next to the player he has to defend. So he's good in that kind of play. Um, but also he has sleeping moments and that was what killed him in training and in uh, the few games he played this season. He played in a, a cup game for Eindhoven against a low-ranked team at the second division and he was... Uh, not doing what he's supposed to do, uh, defending the player he had to defend, the striker of the opponent. Also, with the standard situations, he wasn't good, so he has sleeping moments. If you look at his personality, I think uh, Turkey will love him because he's a guy that's always smiling. He's a fun guy in the dressing room. He's a good guy to have in your group. Uh, we also remember the smiling and the singing he did when... Eindhoven became champion. So if you look at the character of the guy, it's fantastic. It's always fun. If you look at the football player, he didn't really make a big impression in the Netherlands. He was a good backup player. Uh, he, he became champion when he started for one season. Uh, but I don't think um, that in the Netherlands, everybody uh, will say that was one of the best defenders Eindhoven has ever seen. No, that that's... That's not the way we will remember him. We remember his big smile, the fun guy, but not his uh, his skills.
beginnen. 3, 2, 1. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black Eagles podcast. This is going to be a special feature episode on our new transfer, Nicolas Isimat Mirin. And for this occasion, I invited a very dear friend of mine, a long time friend, um, close personal friend, you may say. Uh, we've known each other for basically all our lives uh, since we were five and six years old. Um, yeah, that's basically all the back information I can give you on that. Uh, very knowledgeable person when it comes to football. A PSV fan, so he's going to know what he's talking about. He's seen Isimat in action plenty of times. Um, and he's someone I consider to be uh, very capable in assessing footballers' qualities. Uh, knowing what to look for in a player uh, relative to their position and all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome on my close personal friend, Max Derweduwe. Hello, everyone. Glad <laughs> to be on, on, the, on the podcast, Cam. And, and thank you, uh, Max, for making the time for us uh, and, and um, sharing some of your uh, thoughts on this player. Um, and we, of course, spoke off-air already about him plenty. Uh, but I'd like to right. give you the center stage here. Um, to talk a little bit more in depth to also give the information to our listenership um, so first impressions how would you describe um, Isimat in a nutshell before in we nutshell, go in depth he's a he's a beast physical beast that's the that's the best way to describe him um, as a defender you can you can count on him always winning his duels um, never getting outrun by a striker or seldomly getting outrun by a striker. That would be the, 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 the very best quality that Nicolas Izimat Mirin uh, possesses. He, he wins a lot of his duels, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he won around um, two or three duels per game. Um, he won around six headers per game. And um, that 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 combines with his number of clearances that 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 just makes an absolute beast of a defender. Um, every every striker uh, should be well not scared necessarily, but should have respect for his physical presence in the and in the as a centre back. And of course, um, Besiktas have a history in recent uh, times of recruiting PSV and, and former PSV players. Besiktas signed Atiba Hutchinson, who's been with the club for uh, six years now. He's in his sixth season now, uh, going on 36 years old. And he was never really seen as, as a huge deal at PSV. I remember when they bought him from Copenhagen. I think that was after they faced Copenhagen in the Champions League. And, uh, and he was really impressive against them, so they signed him. Uh, because of that, but then when he played, yeah, but they, they they originally they originally got him as a defensive midfielder, mm -hmm. but then they played him as a right back. Yeah. eventually, yeah, because Van Bommel came back, of course, from Milan, and and um, they also who, who was the other one, Stoltman, I think they had at the time too. So they had two really great central midfielders, and and he played a lot as right as a right back, and he never really got the respect he deserved, I think, at PSV, and he was kind of looked at as a meh, you know, that's not a big loss for us. But then when he came into us, he had a huge impact. Um, he's really established himself. I, I think many would call him a legend. Um, and, and yeah, 
then of course there's Marcelo who um, still when I speak to other PSV fans when I read comments on the internet and and you know given the fact how good he has been doing in the last couple of years also for Lyon now um, but you still see this this attitude of, of kind of laughing at him in a way like how is he playing for Lyon how is he playing at that level I can't believe it because people really didn't like Marcelo when he was playing at PSV there was a lot of him that they didn't like when they got them from Krakow there were huge expectations but he was considered a massive flop I think one of the biggest flops PSV have had in recent history yet he goes on to the Bundesliga to Hanover has a decent stint there I definitely think he matured there but then he went to Besiktas and he became an absolute beast and now at Lyon he's just continuing that line um but that's another PSV player that Bistich have had in recent memory that didn't really get all that much respect. And from ECM's Yeah, but the symbol, the symbol, the criticism in the competition was similar. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot to do with the way Dutch teams like to play. It's the whole Johan Graaf approach where they would prefer to have two central midfielders play center back over yeah. uh, to, to, to towers defenders. Uh, playing there, and, and and it's the same criticism for both players. Really, the the, the lack of um, passing, the lack of vision, um, but that really is a Dutch, a very Dutch thing to say. I don't think if you go to any other country, uh, a defender that wins eighty or ninety percent of his duels, um, that has a passer rating over eighty uh, percent. Uh, in most competition, that would suffice. Um, the Dutch competition, for some reason, they prefer to have someone with a passer rate of 100%, but that wins only 60% of his duels, 70% of his duels. So that's kind of the, the, the discrepancy you have there. Yeah, and of course, we can see that with, with Daily Blind. Uh, I mean, he's playing central defender a lot, I think, at Ajax now. Um, and he's also someone that started his career more as a defensive midfielder, but I think they prefer to play him there because of his more... Um, his his better technical abilities, but I, I think that what what we saw also at Manchester United that for that level as a central defender he's just not there. Um, you know, a Virgil Van Dijk who's a who's also a beast, a da- guy like that does much better. Uh, yeah. We were just talking about him off air as well. Um, but the thing what I wanted to ask you though is from I have a lot of friends in in the Netherlands, uh, Turkish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Turkish D- Dutch people um, and I have to say I, none of them are, are PSV fans but all of okay. them when I spoke to them and I asked them what do you think of Isimat like the general consensus was kind of like he's not that good like I have the impression that from because mm, we spoke off air and you, you told me he's very loved by the fans at PSV Right. Uh, and all that stuff, but then it's but then you have the on the other side of the spectrum the the, the non PSV fans they don't really seem to see in him what PSV sa- fans may see in him and, and perhaps PSV fans are a little bit um, have rose colored glasses perhaps uh, on him yeah. because of how how great he is for the team spirit which you've also told me and all that kind of stuff and, and you know just to, um, the way he celebrated the championship uh, last year and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that may, makes PSV fans, perhaps like yourself, a little bit more prone to him 
to liking him. I, I don't know how so, how I should phrase it, but what, what's your thought on that? On on the criticism from non-PSV fans from the Netherlands on Isimat? Where do you think that stems um, from? Uh, the main reason I think he received that criticism is he he came in to PSV on a loan basis from Monaco at first. Um, he was never uh, starting centre back up until the point they bought him a season later. Um, even then, um, uh, only then, sorry, um, did he become a starter, but it was after um, Bruma and Rekik left, uh, both for Germany. And that's when he became a starter together with Hector Moreno. But at that point, he didn't really have to take on the, the, the build-up uh, responsibilities. That was all left up to Hector Moreno, who had already had a stint at Espanyol at that point, who had played for AZ at that point, and he was just a very young defender, and his main tag under Philippe Cocu was to defend. And we all know that Philippe Cocu is a very defensive coach, um, he's a very conservative coach, so he will prefer that super defensive centre-back over the, 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 the footballing qualities that some have. And uh, again, it's the whole Dutch football philosophy that comes into play here, and something that clearly Marek van Bommel wants to press through here. Um, for, for the exact same reason that uh, Dutch football fans like Nicolas uh, Van Bommel not right now. And that's why Van Bommel is saying, well, he can be sold even during winter break. And that's not going to uh, in our ranks because we still have Daniel Schwab. Uh, we still have Nick Vierjeven. And then we have Trent Sainsbury that they got over the summer. Uh, and they have Armando um, Bispo saying that a young, a young player, 19 years old, who has once been compared to be even better, compared to Matthias De Ligt, or even said to be to have been better. Um, so let's see how. I think I think I think that's where they want to go with with their squad right now, and I don't think there's a place um, for a beast defender that might prefer to kick a ball um, stance over having a playing a simple passing game, which Dutch fans really really want to see. Um, again. Dutch fans in that regard might be a bit, you might might use the word snobbish, uh, but that's that's yeah, that's just the football philosophy that you have there, and and I really believe that's the reason uh, Van Bommel doesn't want to doesn't need him in his squad anymore. And of course, there's also the other aspect where he was in the final year of his contract already. He did not extend. Um, there was already rumblings back in the summer that Bishtesh were interested that we were pulling on his sleeve. Um, and given how quickly this deal happened, I think it happened like two, a couple days after the winter, uh, the winter transfer window opened. Yeah. It's quite plausible that there was already kind of a deal in place with the player uh, that was made clear to him, look, don't sign an extension because we'll be coming back for you in the, in the winter when PSV won't be asking as much as they did in the summer. Um, do you yeah. think that had he extended or even if he just maybe not extended yet, but if he, he didn't perhaps already have an agreement in place, do you think that Van Bommel would have played him more because in recent weeks we also saw that Van Bommel simply dropped him from the squad altogether whereas beforehand he was still at least included and on the bench and made some appearances in the Champions League and stuff like that well, he made one appearance in the Champions League he made one appearance in the Eredivisie 
um, a game for which um, Transceive Tainsbury was ill. And I think Schwab was at home for personal reasons. So that's the only thing um, Van Bommel really called upon him. And I, it might have something to do with it. It might factor into the whole ordeal. But I, I honestly believe, as far as I know, there has not been any contract talks, really. And as soon as the summer came around, they had to sell them. Of course, they were asking ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and they knew that his price was going to drop as soon as they didn't play him. But that's, that's the coach's choice here. Uh, I do believe that him personally, Nicolas, he had an agreement. He probably had an agreement with Besiktas already and that the clubs just couldn't figure it out and that they just kind of made an agreement to try again in the winter and otherwise just um, sign him um, as a free agent signing under the Bosman arrest uh, during, uh, for, for, for June, come June or July 2019. Yeah. Um, okay, so, well, we've covered the basics pretty much on him. Uh, is there anything in particular that you really think that should be highlighted with him? Do you think that... Um, there are, for example, uh, resemblances with, with any uh, players that Bistesh fans would be familiar with, uh, anything like that. What can Bistesh fans expect from him, except for, uh, apart from a, being a beast defender, what, what else do you think they can expect from him? I'm pretty sure Bistesh uh, fans will come to love Nicolas Izumak uh, um, in, in no time, really. Um, he really does have a certain personality on the field. Um, he's been a champion with PSC three times, and you, you can really see that he wants to be a leader um, in the locker room. But at the same time, he's also uh, a fun guy to be around. So he keeps, he keeps, he really keeps the atmosphere up uh, both in the locker room. He has a great really had a great relationship with the fans. Still has a great relationship with the fans of UFC, and I, I don't think it will take him long um, to to kind of settle there in Turkey and kind of win over the hearts of the Turkish fans. They're, they're, they'll come to like him um, in no time. And I, I, I get that. And, and obviously, you're you're pretty familiar with uh, Besiktas and <laughs> uh, <laughs> because of our relationship, but. Um, I mean, the way you describe him, he kind of sounds like a non-violent Pascal Numa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 I mean, purely, like, playing style-wise, um, you could compare him to Marcelo, who we've mentioned earlier, um, but personality-wise, uh, you could compare him to Pascal Numa, but without the uh, antics that could get you suspended for a whole season. I'm not going to say specifically what he did there, but I think the Turkish fans <laughs> yeah, know what worry. happened. Everyone knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's like... Mm, what I mean, when you watch videos of him, it kind of reminds you a little bit of, of Pogba, too, who's kind of like that. Uh, although Pogba has, like, of course, that personality of Shomofu, which I don't think this guy has. Um, no. But he thinks, takes his job very seriously. Yeah, so a real professional type. Uh, do you think that it's someone that, given some time... Because um, you say that he also likes to take a leadership role, uh, which is also mm -hmm. which is a positive in my opinion. Uh, I think that a team needs a leader in every line. I think in midfield and defense and yeah, up front, okay, that's a different thing. But you need a couple of leaders on the pitch. You don't want too many cocks in the hen house, but you need a couple at least. Uh, and I think that's something that Bishops have been missing a little bit: uh, leadership, uh, winner mentality. I don't know mm -hmm. how how that is. Would you describe him as someone that 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 um, 
yeah, with a, a winner, so to speak, you know, someone that will give his, his all until the final whistle and 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 is it some is he someone that's after a defeat he'll 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 not let his head drop but like um be really angry at well, himself I, and and want to improve well i i haven't seen him in his living room after a loss so i can't really <laughs> say how how he how he is in that regard but i can say that he does give it his all. Um, he scored the winning goal last season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was against Pex Wallach, which was in the 92nd minute. Um, they won a corner. He went up front. Um, the ball just kind of stayed there in the, in, 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 uh, in, in, in the opposing half. The carambol? Uh, he, oh, okay. He, yeah, the carambola goal, exactly. And he stayed He stayed in front, even though Koku split he told him to run back and he just stayed up front ball fell in front of his feet and kicked it in um, and you could just see the the, 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 the joy the, the the excitement just sparking off of him he really really wants to win and he really really wants that ball of course that sometimes also leads to um, mistakes and um, especially falls um, uh, a few seasons ago Philippe Cocu even made him train with tennis balls in his hands, so he would stop touching touching opponents' uh, attackers. Okay, that explains uh, a lot. <laughs> a fr- a yeah. friend of mine, uh, there was this picture of um, of 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 of, of Isimat when he just arrived at Bishtesh with doing the the Kartal pose, and mm-hmm. and he basically put on Twitter like, "Can anyone shop some tennis balls in his hands?" <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I was like, what, what is that all about? I didn't get that, but uh, okay, now I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, that's the reason, because he was constantly pulling at the attackers, uh, even in his own 16-yard box. 16-yard box? I don't know, 16 meters anyways. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's one of the things that he... I think he worked on that under Koku, but Sometimes he gets carried away in the game, and that means, and this is the ugly, uh, we already talked about the good, the bad, but this is the ugly, uh, sometimes he will get carried away in a game, and he will start rush forward because he just wants that ball, and that, that leaves the, the rest of the defense vulnerable because then he's running out of position, of course. Um, we have the game against Barcelona, the one he played, um, the only game in the Champions League he played, this season, uh, where he really got a goal just on his conto, um, on his account, and just for running out of position. He was too eager to go get that ball. Barcelona around him, and then you get a 4-0 beating, a 4-0 beating. And yeah, that, that's kind of what happens sometimes. And what you need, what you need then is a trainer to tell him, like, this is your uh, task, and this is what you're going to have to do. Um, it's not because he doesn't understand it just because he really, really just wants to win and he wants that ball. Um, so yeah, you have to, you have to take the, the, the bad with the good. How do you say that in, the, in English? Yeah. The bad, yeah, the with, bad with the good. Yeah, the bad exactly. Uh, do you think that playing with an experienced defender, um, like Domagoj Vida will, will help him in any way in that regard? Or do you think that he's past the point where he needs someone to, uh, coach him and he's perfectly capable of, uh, deciding what and when to do except for when his lights go out <laughs> oh I'm, I'm 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 gonna use his own word um he played one game this season and afterwards they asked him 
like how how does it feel like having not played in a very long time or having not played an official game in a very long time? Does it feel to be on the pitch now? Does it give you nerves? Does it give you jitters? Um, do you feel slightly less confident? And he just responded with, well, um, you do notice that you don't have the natural, but then again, he said of himself that he's experienced enough now. I mean, he's 27 years old. Uh, he's experienced enough now to know what he has to do, where he has to be, and what it takes to be a defender at the highest level. So, Will he play together perfectly with uh, Vida? I think they could have a similar um, working arrangement as he had with Daniel Schwab last season. That would certainly should certainly be possible, but I don't think it's an absolute necessity to have someone super experienced next to him. No, and of course, I mean, in, in the Dutch league, uh, with the Dutch teams, you often see that, that I mean, especially defenders, there's rarely a a stalwart, experienced defender there to coach them. So I think that's a, a good thing and a bad thing because uh, it, it does kind of teach them to fend for themselves. Um, but yeah, we, we've touched on the good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. Uh, there's, there's, I don't know if there's anything else. Do you have any special anecdotes that you'd uh, definitely want to get out there about um, him? Or did you cover it all, you think? Yeah. Perhaps yeah, one, one more thing. And that's reason on why he's not playing. Um, Marek van Bommel said the following, which sounded very crude, and he later came back on those words, and he was, well, he simply did not deserve it. Um, and people were just like, well, he played the entire season last year. Um, he was not bad. He was a good defender. Um so, so why why are you saying this? And he was like, well, I mean, my crew, but he felt that other people deserved it more. Uh, and if you then look at the response of Nicola, it it, you, it really shows nationalism because he was like, I accept the criticism and I do understand that there's certain things that I need to do uh, differently or better. And I never complain. And that is something you really want in your team. Someone with, someone with a million winning mentality, but the only thing he wants is for the team to be a winning team. Um, and he's willing to count himself out if necessary. Uh, meaning that even though he does get carried away at times, he will be there for the team and he will make sure that everyone is riled up and ready to go. Yeah, it even sounds like someone who, even when he didn't play for a while, he's he's going to be ready and, and whenever the coach needs him, he's going to be ready to play. But sometimes exactly. you have those, those players... Uh, that are perfectly happy to sit on the bench and cash a check. Uh, but then you also have those players that are happy to sit on the bench if the coach requires them to. Of course, they prefer to play. But then when they're called upon, they're they're ready to go. And I think that's, uh, for British fans, they can probably compare that best to, to Najib, um, who I'm not a fan of. <laughs> but there's, there's one thing to be said about Najib. He never complains. Uh, he always works very hard and, and he gives it his all. There's a reason why he's been at the club for as long as he, he has and there's a reason why under every single coach he gets his matches every season because he works very hard, he doesn't complain and then when he's when the coach needs him, he's ready, he's fit um, and, and, he, and he puts in his typical performance and sometimes his lights go out but 
<laughs> well, I, I hope that, uh, that of course, uh, EasyMod is from a, for a different caliber, but it, those things are all really uh, good. I think it's especially because last year he was such an important player for them, played everything except for the last two games when they had already won the title, I believe. Yeah, um, correct. And, and then to come from that being uh, a, a, a titular player in the team and then suddenly going from that to not playing at all, uh, under a new coach, I think many players with good mentalities would be frustrated, uh, and and, and that, that does show uh, a level of maturity and professionalism for sure. So that all sounds really great. So to close things, uh, what do you think yeah. Bestes fans should expect from him? Do you think it's going to be a repeat of Marcelo, where expectations weren't really high at all, but when he came in, he, he conquered everyone's hearts. And honestly, you know what? I mean, if you if you ask 10 Bishtesh fans who did they prefer, Marcelo or Pepe, I think eight or so will tell you Marcelo, believe it or not. Well, I'm, I'm going to bounce that question back to you. What do you expect from Nicolas Isimov? Well, you know what the thing is? I think it's... Uh, Another way you described him to me off air is he's very strong in the air and he kind of sucks the balls towards him like the high balls and it's kind of that, when you told me that I immediately thought Marcelo and I think that's something that we've definitely been lacking that that ruling the sky I mean Pepe is is strong yeah. in the air yeah the, the physical presence that he has in yeah. the in in the defensive area uh, yeah well the thing with Pepe is I think. You know, he's really strong physically too, but he was never Marcelo. He was never that, you know, Bruno Alves in his top, in his, when, when Bruno Alves was at his top, he was like the yeah the ruler of the sky too. I think more so than Pepe ever was. And I think Marcelo was that too. Um, mm-hmm. He scored a lot of goals this season for us, Pepe, but I still think that that Bistach fans were kind of, I don't know, maybe a little bit underwhelmed given what we were coming from in terms of dominance in the sky uh, when we came from Marcelo. So I really hope that he can fill that. Uh, And then one more thing that's very important as well is how does he cope under pressure? If uh, attackers, wingers, you know, those guys are putting high pressure on the ball, they're not giving, you know, the defender gets the ball and they're immediately on him, what's he going to do? Is he going to panic? And, and play a bad pass, or is he just gonna do no nonsense, just boot it in the in, in in the stance, which I think is fine in certain circumstances. I think that's better than trying to find the solution but failing. Uh, and 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 so, what do you think? Is he gonna find that pass and do well? Is he going to boot it in the stance, or is he gonna completely lose uh, lose it and 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 give you know just boot the ball up the field and and give it away because that's also something that happens often when you have defenders that are being put under pressure instead of just putting it out of play and putting it into throw in which i think is better to alleviate the pressure they boot it up front straight into the feet of the op- opposition and and their attack just keeps going yeah well really simple answer here kind of nuanced though but nobody lasts four and a half years in a top tier club in Netherlands without being able to pass the ball and being able to stay calm under pressure so yes he can do that uh, in the Netherlands of course the same criticism as Marcelo he would rather put it in the stands than put himself in danger and in the Netherlands they don't like seeing that but again as you said there are occasions when that is necessary mm-hmm. and he he will not panic. He has the experience, and 
you, it, when people try to pressure him, it just kind of slides off him because he knows how what he can and cannot do. So you you will rarely see him do something very dumb, except for make fouls. Yeah. But like passing wise, um, if you guys like Marcelo in that regard, then you're gonna love Easy Mud as well. And uh, I I posed you the question: If I'd say headless chicken, yes or no? No. Okay, that's very important. <laughs> because that's that's something I asked some of my friends. Is he a headless chicken? And they, you know, but these are like non PSV fans. They don't didn't yeah. scrutin. You know, they didn't watch him as much. And they said, yeah, definitely, because he does some weird stuff sometimes, like you said with the tackles and stuff. But you know, like yeah. like like Nijib, for example, he he just at at some point the lights just completely go out, and and it's like yeah, and he has absolutely no clue what he's doing, panicking left and right. Um, I remember this one derby against Fenerbahce where we were leading and uh, we he came in to strengthen our defense. It was in Fenerbahce and I think we were leading 2-1 to one, and he came on to basically uh, secure the win and I think in, in the time span of five minutes he got sent off or something because he was just yeah. so, bam, you know, headless chicken. Um, and I know I said uh, last point already, but there was something else I, I was going to ask you, <laughs> which, I totally, yeah, shoot, shoot. which I'm totally blanking on right now. Uh, let me just uh, think about it for a second. Well, in the meantime, I'll just take over and say that he only got eight yellow cards yeah, in the time that, was, that he's been with PSC. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, that, that basically shows you that he, he will not lose his mind. Mm-hmm. He does tend to make a lot of fouls. He doesn't dive into tackles, but sometimes he gets reckless in uh, um, yeah, trying trying to just too enthusiastically win the ball, and mm-hmm. that's but, that's just something. Yeah, but I think Philippe Cocu got that out of him. For, but never for, dangerously, for, for, for though. I would imagine. I mean, he's he's like you oh. said, only only eight yellow cards in 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 a in a plethora of games. Uh, and yeah, no exactly. red cards. I mean, he got one red card in his career, I believe. That was a, when he was still at Valenciennes. Uh, so, I mean, for someone who's described as some, yeah, I, got the, going... I got the stats here. He got one red card for PSC first, and he got two for Val- when he was at Valenciennes. Okay, I so mean, that, yeah, at that point he wasn't twenty years old. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. we're way past that point now. Yeah, of course, of course. But it has to be said, of course, Doma Goivida had like one red card in his career before he came to Besiktas, I believe. And then he, uh, in one of his first games against uh, Bayern München, he got sent off. So uh, after 16 <laughs> minutes, so it can always happen. Um, but I think it's good to know that, that we were probably, hopefully if, if Vida stays, because there's still the possibility that he may leave, because Pepe has now, of course, signed for Porto, which I predicted in the previous episode. While Mr. Di Marzio said he no no he's going to Monaco. I told you guys he's going to Porto and he's he's signed to Porto officially now. But that opens up the possibility, of course, for Domago Vida to go to Monaco, which is still a possibility. Um, but let's say that doesn't happen, then we have a pairing of Vida and and Izimat, and those are two I think very composed uh, defenders that aren't going to risk a game throw away a game by taking a red card or something like that hopefully <laughs> but yeah. um 
Yeah, thank you very much, Max, for your insights. You really uh, went in-depth and, and gave us a, a very good analysis on, this, on the player. Um, I'm sure we'll get uh, a lot of good feedback on this, and I hope uh, our listeners know a little bit more what to expect now from uh, our new player, Nicolas Isimat-Mirin. And this is the point in the podcast where usually I ask our guests if they have anything to plug, but <laughs> you don't do social media, do you? Well, I no, I, I really don't. I once made a Twitter account, and I think I posted one picture of my cat or something. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna put some work into that because you, 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 you uh, effectively convinced me. Um, so I'm gonna see what Twitter has to offer, what the social media landscape has to offer. But that will be for a later date, people. <laughs> okay, and I'll definitely pass on your your handle once you uh, make that uh, plunge into the Twitterverse. Uh, but for Come uh, by as it, uh, for me. Come by as it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening, everyone, and uh, good night. And hopefully, see you around again soon uh, for the next episode. We'll be doing. Uh, hopefully, I'm trying to uh, line up an interview right now with uh, our financial expert John Okar to talk about this huge news in Turkish football right now, where uh, the Turkish Football Federation is lining up a bank deal to basically put all the Turkish top flight clubs' long-term debt on one big loan, basically, to put it all in long-term, but uh, kind of move the, the financial fair play aspect uh, to, the, to, the, to the national level, into the, the TFF's responsibility. And uh, I don't know what to expect. I, I, would usually, I would normally say that's a great idea, but with the corruption in the Turkish Football Federation, I don't know if that's the case. But that's definitely something we're going to dive into with John, hopefully, in the, in the next few days. Um, but yeah... Uh, for 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 this for this episode on Nicolas Isimat Marin I Mirin I keep saying Marin that's you know that's <laughs> just reminds me well, of a, you'll get to know his name soon enough for sure I think we'll be probably we just be calling him Isimat uh, I, I don't think I I wonder what the commentators are gonna call him or maybe just Nicolas <laughs> but well, um, in the Netherlands they said Isimat yeah I think that's the easiest way to go but definitely again Max thank you so much and. Uh, Maybe I'll have you on again if, if Bistis decide to uh, do another swoop and, and get a, a PSV player. Uh, is there anyone you think that could be on our radar, maybe? Maybe Hendrix to uh, to replace Atiba this summer. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Well, I'm, still, I'm still on the transfer list, so if you guys want to spend two or four million euros on him, on who? feel free to come get him. Rambla, Ah, no, 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 I don't think so. Maybe Quad- is yeah. Quadrado still playing for you guys? Yeah, Guardado left. He's playing yeah. for Betis Sevilla now. So right, right, sadly, right. sadly. Ah, well, you guys are doing well. You're top of the table, still unbeaten, I think, right? Nah, fan would beat us. Sadly, oh, right, they the did two to one. I, I forgot. I was in the stadium for that one. That was yeah, it was horrific. It must have been horrific. fun with you for you with uh, with but your yeah, girlfriend from that, being from Rotterdam. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I haven't heard enough of that one yet. <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, my memories of the cup are a lot better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks again, man. Whatever, John. Always nice talking to you. Likewise. So, amazing interviews, 
Khan, thank you so much for getting those guys in. To Max, Yordi, Yaron, thank you guys so much. Uh, it was an honor having you all on the episode. And uh, yeah, we hope maybe there will be cause for you guys to make a return. Who knows? Uh, I know Max definitely yeah, loved, to, loved, loved it. I think he really liked the format. Um, and I, I might be able to convince him to get his, uh, his ass on Twitter now. There you go. Uh, because he's like uh, anti-social. I don't know. He doesn't do social media really. I have a lot um, of friends like that. Yeah, it's our generation. <laughs> but he's, I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, maybe it is, but um, I don't know. I think uh, he's got this. He has plenty of interesting insights when it comes to football and uh, really great understanding of the game. I think so. Uh, yeah. Maybe he should get his uh, his behind on on Twitter Thank and you, uh, yeah. amass some followers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks so much to all three of them. Uh, that, was, that was great. I think you guys yeah. have come out of this episode knowing everything you can about what to expect from our young, uh, well, sort of young, central defender, Isimat. Uh, but... Oh, you're, you're going down the Turkish route now, calling us 27 year old. I, I know, it's, it, <laughs> I've become the Abi I always feared becoming. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be great to see him on the pitch. I'm excited to see it. He looks like he's already getting along very well with his squad mates in training camp, you know, at least via the photos taken by our club. But anyway, that's that's that, guys. Uh, once again, yeah. our first match is this coming uh, Friday, the 18th. Uh, stay tuned for for everything associated with that from us. And without you know any more, Khan, take us out. Uh, once again, massive thank you to uh, Max Derwedo, Jeroen Elshoff, and Jordi Amali for giving us their views on Isimat Mirin. And uh, that's all I have left to say. Thank you, and see you on Take Us Out. Go Besiktas! <laughs> it's coming guys. Second half of the season. Everything is gonna come into yeah. place. It's not gonna really come. We're gonna fill the gap. Yeah. Nice. What kind? I'll let you go man, I know. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.